Okay, if you have your Bible or a device or very good memory because you've already learned the whole Bible and memorized it, turn in there to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We are starting a new series today called Courageous Generosity. Courageous Generosity. Now, courageous generosity describes the kind of person that you and I are really called to be. And when I was thinking about this, thinking about generosity, the generosity of the Lord, generosity of his son Jesus Christ, the generosity of the apostles, the generosity of all of the disciples and all of those uh, who've gone before us, uh, one of the words that came to mind was this word courageous. It's the only word that I could think of to really describe the type of generosity that God really wants to work in us. And when I think of that word courageous, the word courage, I get an image in my mind of what courage is. And I know the world uh, would have us believe a certain thing about courage, you know, especially with all of the superhero movies uh, that have come out over the past number of years and all of that. In fact, there's a book series uh, that I read. It's a secular book series about a character that I read, and, and uh, they've made a couple of movies now about this character. And in the book, the character is a real hero. He's an, an ex-army guy, just a regular guy, but uh, he's a real hero. And uh, they made a couple of movies. I, I like the actor in the movie, and so I like the movies, but as it compares to the book, like so many things, it doesn't compare. You know, I mean, the book is, uh, there's, there's nothing that compares to the book. And this, this character in this book, I mean, you talk about a hero, and when I think about courage, initially in my flesh, I think about this guy. And what I did not like about how they did the movies is, in the movies, you know, the guy, he defends people and he fights, but he gets beat up sometimes, and he'll come back, and he kind of wins at the end. But in the book, that's not that character. He never gets beat up. I mean, this guy in the book, he's 6'5", 250 pounds. You know, I mean, he's a good guy. He defends those who are uh, being oppressed. I mean, this guy, just with an elbow to the solar plexus, it's over. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no talking about it, you know. And so that's just it. It's just over. I mean, it's, it, he doesn't get beat up. He doesn't get hit. None of that kind of stuff. And so that's why I kind of like the book a little bit more because that's my real hero. And the reason, you guys will probably say, you're just a crazy guy, you know, Pastor Mike. But the re one of the reasons why I like the character in the book so much is because it reminds me of the Lord when I think of God. I think of, um, uh, you know, a God who never backs down, never gets hit in the mouth, never is surprised by anything. And I don't want them to even make a I don't want Hollywood to make a movie about him because they probably have him fall down and get back up and all of that and overcome in the end. But that's not God. That's not our God. Even Jesus on the cross, don't, don't, don't mistake uh, what Jesus went through for him. Oh, my gosh, they have him now. What's, he gave his life, okay? Everything that happened with Jesus, he gave. He allowed it to happen. If it wasn't uh, in God's will for him to go through what he went through, he wouldn't have gone through it, okay? He did that, all right? And so, uh, you know, when I think of this character in the book, you know, I think, oh, my gosh, that must be so courageous, but here's the thing, that's not really the definition of courage. If you have it all together, you never get hit in the mouth, proverbially, 
metaphorically. You never get hit in the mouth. You never go through adversity. All you need to do is wake up, and if somebody says something to you, just elbow them in the chest, and they go down, and you're going about your day. If that's you, then I can't really say that you're a courageous person. I mean, you can be a hero, and that's great for you. But when you really think about courage, isn't courage really the ability to face fear, even have, like we heard a testimony this morning, the enemy try to put fear on you and in your heart, and in the midst of all of that, the fear is there, the adversity is real, come on, the persecution is all around you, but in the midst of all of that, you stand up, and even with fear in the flesh, your spirit is able to get up and take you through the situation. Now that, to me, is courage. And so when we talk this morning about courageous generosity, it's going to take a heart. And I want to talk about the heart of courageous generosity. Because it's easy to give when you have $1,000 and someone needs $3. And you say, oh, well, you know, listen, I'll sacrifice. I'll reach way down deep and I'll give you the $3. Don't worry about it. And don't even worry about paying me back because don't even worry about it. I'll just, I'll find another way to get the $3 back. It's not really courageous generosity. But the courageous generosity that God wants us to develop takes a heart. And in this message and in the messages to come, I believe that God is going to help us grow our heart of generosity and activate a generous spirit. Now, generosity is not just monetarily, though it includes that, and we're going to be talking about that. But it's your whole life. If you're a generous person, then you give of your time. You give of your knowledge. You give of your wisdom liberally. Because God does that. God gives wisdom. James said, if you don't have it, just ask. And he'll give what? Liberally. And he upbraideth not. I love the King James word there. Uh, he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't come against you. He'll just give it to you because that's who he is. And God is molding us and shaping us into a people who are going to make a difference. Even in our broken world by being a church and a people that practices generosity as we love all people. And one of the things that when I pray, I am so thankful. Paul said to make your requests be made known unto God uh, with supplications. But he also said with thanksgiving. And so when I pray, one of the things I am so thankful for is that I am a part of a very generous church. This church, Life Church, is a courageously generous church for over 25 years now. As long as I've been here, this church is generous. And I'm so uh, I'm proud to be able to pastor a people who are so generous. It encourages me to be even more generous. Amen. And so I thank you for that. But a generous person is exposed. If you're a generous person, you don't have to go around telling people, hey, look, you know, I gave Brother Jeff uh, some money just in case anybody needs to know. Uh, Rhonda, if you need to know, uh, I gave Jeff some money because I'm generous. So I just wanted to let you know. Not to, don't have to thank me or anything or say anything. I just wanted to let you know that I gave him some money. 
A courageous a person, a courageously generous person, does not have to do that. A person is already exposed. You don't have to show people how generous you are. They will just simply see it. Why? Because generosity, true generosity, cannot be hidden. It's a choice. And listen, there's no better way to live than to know that you're generous. There's no worse way to live than to know that you're stingy. Come on. That you're a miser. That you're small, that you're selfish. There's no worse way to live. So we have to have a decision. Are we going to be generous or not? Well, unlike this character in the book, my definition of courageous generosity is simply this. I put some thought into this definition, but for this series, here's the definition that we're going to use for courageous generosity. It is simply this. The attitude, come on, it starts with an attitude. The attitude that confronts adversity. It doesn't back down. It doesn't shy away from adversity. But it confronts adversity with a spirit of liberality and open-handed generosity. In an unselfish, and here's the key, Faith-filled giving. I don't know any other way to give. It would have to be faith-filled giving. Flowing from a willing heart. Willing heart, not grudgingly, but willing. And magnanimous spirit. That simply means I'm a giver. That's all it means. Even to those that don't like me. That's what that means. Spirit that inspires others to give with equal courage. Do you realize that when you become a courageous giver, not only are you helping, but you're also encouraging because others see that. Not because you boast or you're prideful, but simply because the way God designs it is he'll put people in places. Come on. And they'll see what you did without you knowing it. And someone over here will see and hear about what happened over here. And that will inspire them. It will pass it along for them to also be generous with great courage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, looking at verse 2, it says this. We're going to talk through 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 in the next four and we're going to talk about in the next four weeks about the Macedonian churches. There were a few churches here that Paul really bragged about in these two chapters because they were givers. They were courageous givers. Verse 2 says this, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and even their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Listen to another version. Another version puts it this way, and I like this version. It says, fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy 
though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts, despite the situation they were in. Now, let me just lay a ground rule here. What we're talking about this morning and over the next number of weeks really is about overcoming. It's about standing up and moving forward in spite of where we are. It's not about celebrating poverty. Come on, I want to make that very clear. Because the churches here, though they were in a situation, began to realize something. Despite the situation, despite the persecution, despite the poverty, the only way we're going to, number one, walk in God's will, number two, walk in the kingdom of God the way God wants us to, and number three, overcome the poverty and the situation is to become givers, be generous, but not only generous, because look around, look at the situation we're in. It's going to take courageous generosity to overcome to move up and to get out of this situation. Do you understand that the kingdom way is opposite of the world's way? I mean, if you are in trouble, whether it's financially or some other way, the world would tell you, you better hang on to what you have. But God would tell you, what you have, give it away. Because I'm going to bless you. Because it's not about what you have, but it's about your heart. We're talking this morning about the heart of courageous generosity. And I'm talking to you this morning, yes, it does deal with prosperity. It does deal with overcoming. It does deal with living in abundance. Because you cannot bless others unless you have it to bless. But if you don't have whatever it is, Walk in this way right now. Don't wait. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Don't wait until your ship comes in to decide to become a courageous giver. See, you either are or you aren't, whether your ship is here or if it's still overseas. Come on. Because the way you are now is the way you're going to be when your ship comes in. So it's about a decision. My decision today, what do I choose? I choose generosity. I model generosity. I value. We just talked about values. I value generosity. I believe in generosity. I expand generosity. I don't stay at the same place. I live generosity. And I pray generosity. I pray it. Lord, help me to be more generous. Help me to be like you. There can be no greater gift than the life given for others, which Jesus gave. Gave us everything that we need, all things to enjoy. And he could give us money. He could give us books. He could give us food. He could give us all sorts of things. But he wrapped all of that up on the cross 
And when he said, it is finished, he was saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Why? Because you're an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Now, when we talk about the courageous giver, there's, and I want to talk about this a little bit, there's only two ways in the Bible that the Bible talks about giving, when it talks about monetarily. The tithe, number one, and the generous giver understands that he understands the first fruit. She understands that, that the tithe is the best. The tithe is the first in addition to the tenth. It's not just a tenth, but it's the first fruit, and it's the best. It's what God requires of me. And if I don't, I'm blocking a blessing. No, I'm not. That's the Bible. And then offerings. Offerings are unlimited amount given by faith and love for God and his generosity. That includes alms, miracle offerings, whatever. I mean, we're taking an offering to pay off uh, our last bit of debt now from a very generous church. That's, that's part of offerings. Only two ways in the Bible God talks about it. But it comes from a heart. Generosity, folks, is a high goal. It really is. I mean, there are all kinds of things and ways that people try to get us to become rich or to overcome or four steps to do this and ten steps to do that. God simply has one step. Obey me. That's all you have to do. I would rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. Why? God is saying, because I want to bless you. In fact, I have blessed you. You just haven't received the blessing because you're holding on so tight to what you have, I can't get into your hand the blessing that I have for you so that you can get it into someone else's hand. Come on. Holding on tight. But you being generous is by you learning how to discipline what you have. Not what you're going to have, but what you have now, your, the time that you have now, the money that you have now, the wisdom, the knowledge that you have right now. Discipline that. There was a little boy in a Sunday school class, and the Sunday school teacher was teaching on missions, and she said, listen, who in this class, if you had a million dollars, would give a million dollars to our missionaries? And all, of, all the boys and girls in the class, yeah, I would give a million. If I had it to give, I would give a million dollars. And they cheered and clapped. And she said, all right, who, if you had $100,000, would give $100,000 to our missionaries? Yeah, if we had that much money, we would do that. What about $1,000? If you were able to, would you give $1,000 to our missionaries? Yes, if I had 1000 I would do it. Everybody's clapping. What about $1? If you had $1, would you give it to our missionaries? And most everybody in the classroom was yelling, yes, I would, yes, except for one little boy, little Johnny. He was just sitting there looking sad, and he didn't say anything. And the teacher said, Johnny, how come you're not cheering uh, with your classmates like you were a minute ago? He said, because I have a dollar. <laughs> you see, it's so different 
When you talk about what you don't have and what you're going to give, uh, oh, when I get that or when the tax return comes or when I get the raise or the promotion at work or when I get the settlement or when uh, Aunt Sally dies and I get the inheritance, I'm going to give, I'm going to be a great giver. It's so different then. But God is saying, what do you have right now? The children, the people of Israel had to get across the Red Sea. And I can imagine them, and I can, I can imagine why they would say, look, let's just go back. We'll take a few lashes, and uh, let's go back, because this is crazy. And I can imagine them starting to talk about all the things they didn't have. We don't have a boat. We don't have a ship. How are we going to get across there? I mean, I, I don't know where Noah's Ark is, but it would take something like that to get across. What are we going to do? And then Moses turning to God, God, they're, that's right, they're true, they're, they're true, they're speaking the truth. We don't have a ship. We don't have any way to get across there. What are we going to do? You know what God said? What do you have? What's in your hand? Well, a staff, but that, we, well, we, we can't float on the staff. I mean, all of us can't grab a hold to it and let it hold it up in the air and see what I'll do. Maybe God is speaking to you today. To say, what is in your hand? What time do you have to give to someone? What knowledge, what money, whatever it is, what is in your hand to give? Hold it up to me. Do you know that when Jesus fed the 5,000, actually, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Jesus did feed the 5,000, but if you really read the story, you'll find out that the disciples fed the 5,000. Come on. Because what happened is they went and said, oh, we have some bread and some fish. They took it to Jesus, and he said, all right, he prayed over it. He, in fact, he broke it into smaller pieces. And it says he gave it back to them. It didn't say he gave back enough food to feed 5,000. What they gave to him, he blessed and gave it back to them. And until they started giving... It wasn't multiplying. But when they started giving, it started multiplying. Come on. Didn't multiply until they gave. Oh, this is a principle of the kingdom of God. You want to prosper? You want to overcome? You want more time to be able to do the things you want? Give some of it away. Come on. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God way. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he said, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. But listen, here it is. Not what? Grudgingly. Or of necessity. In other words, not because somebody told you. Don't forget, you need to give. No. But out of your heart. Why? Because God loves a... Why? Because generosity is a lifestyle. It's the way that you are. Paul talked about these churches. In fact, look, at, look back at, at verse 1 of chapter 8. I'm just going to read down through verse 7, New King James Version. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. He's talking about grace here. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy,
Their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Listen to what Paul is saying. He said, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, now listen, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, beyond their ability, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so we would also complete the grace in you as well. But, verse 7, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this Grace also, what grace? This grace of courageous generosity. Abound in it. Don't just do it out of habit. Don't just do it because you have to. Well, I'm a Christian and I go to church, so I guess I better put something in the offering plate or I better talk to this person over here or listen to what they have to say and listen to their problems because I'm a Christian and that's really what Christians should do. No, that's not abounding in it. He says, do it with a cheerful heart, willingly. Be a courageous giver with courageous generosity. He says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace bestowed upon these churches in Macedonia. In other words, he's saying, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working for the churches in Macedonia, in this Macedonian province. I want to testify about their giving. I want to testify about their generosity. You know, this definition of courageous generosity, I thought it was a pretty good definition myself. I thought it was a pretty good definition that the Lord gave us on this. Now, how many, how many thought that that was a pretty good definition? Put the definition of courageous generosity uh, back up there. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good definition. It took a while uh, to go over it and come up with all of this. You know, that attitude that confronts adversity and all of those types of things, flowing from a willing heart and all that magnanimous spirit, trying to use a big word in there uh, that inspires others to give with equal courage, all of that. I thought it was a pretty good definition. How many think it's a pretty good definition? Pretty, pretty good. Okay. You might have a better one. I know. You say, I might have a better one, but that's a pretty good one. How many would like for someone to say that about you? How, how would you like to just accidentally intercept a letter from one of your friends to another friend and you see it and they're talking about, boy, you know, uh, Brother Mike, he is, I mean, he has an attitude that confronts adversity with a spirit of liberality. He's got uh, open-handed generosity. He's unselfish, uh, filled, he's faith-filled, he's a giver, uh, all of that thing. Even throw magnanimous and you got to go look that up and see what that means. Make sure they're not talking about you and you got that spirit and you inspire others. How many would like for somebody to say that about you I mean even at the even at the end when you go on to be with the Lord I'd like somebody to eulogize and say yeah it, this guy was a giver he was a giver and I believe that's what we're trying to aspire to these churches Paul planted these Macedonian churches it's the church of Philippi Philippians church of Thessalonica Thessalonians and the church of Berea, which he, he didn't put an epistle in the Bible about that, but you find that in Acts 17. They experienced the grace of God under Paul's ministry during his second missionary journey. He bragged on them and he talked about them. 
And then they were blessed and they began to multiply. Why? Because they were so spiritual? No, because they were courageous givers. They had a special grace on them. The Macedonian churches had Paul's heart. They had his own special apostolic spiritual DNA. It was deposited into these churches, his grace for giving, generosity, and liberality. That's why Paul bragged on them. These churches reflect a generous spirit. You see it in some scriptures. You might want to jot some of these down. They're not going to be on the board. But Philippians 4.10, Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you care for me, and your care for me has flourished again, and though you surely did care, even though you lacked opportunity. They gave anyway. Philippians 4.15, Now you Philippians know also, in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He's bragging on them. And then down in verse 16 and 17, he said, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid at one and again for my necessities. Now that I, not that I seek the gift, but listen to what he says. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Why? Because of their courageous giving. In verse 18, indeed I have all and abound. I am full, Paul says, having received the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, aroma a, an, an acceptable sacrifice, Paul says. Well-pleasing to God. God loves it when you have a courageously generous spirit. You please God in that way. You please him. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, verse 19. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. By your faith. That's what comforted us. And we see that you have faith because you show your faith, like James said. By giving, put it in action. I mean, what a terrible thing when someone is in need. Whether they need clothes or whether they need money or whether they need counseling or knowledge or wisdom or relationship or whatever it is. What a terrible thing for them to be in need and you just, you just say, oh, I'm so sorry that you're in need. Go now and be blessed. What a terrible thing. How stingy. And if God, if it's a sweet-smelling aroma to God when he sees that his people are givers, what type of stench comes to the Lord from stingy people? Come on. If it's a sweet-smelling aroma, what type of stench over here? That's why you have to have a heart for it. Not a person that gives every once in a while or out of a wrong attitude, but if it's just your lifestyle. And that doesn't have anything to do with frequency. It has to do with your heart. It's just your heart. Generous heart in trials of affliction. Doesn't matter where you are now. I mean, if you have a million dollars, you can afford to give. 
If you only have $10 and you know that that's not enough for you, you still need to give. You need to tithe. I would rather have $9 that is blessed and will multiply than to keep 10 that is cursed. Read Malachi. Come on. Because if you have 10 that is cursed, that's all you have. But if you have 9 that is blessed, you have an unlimited supply. But my God shall supply all your... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the... It's funny how God uses that word. All... I'm not leaving anything out. Seek me first. But my God supply all... Everything you need and more because my God will supply the desires of your heart and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Come on. These folks were in a great trial as having the quality of having stood the test. Come on. Mature and approved character shown through. They were in severe affliction yet they gave anyway. They had generous heart in times of lack. Out of deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of liberality. And because of that, God blessed them. Again, understand that this is, we are by no means glorifying poverty and lack. But I'm just saying, when you find yourself in a place where you don't have everything, I'm talking about the way to overcome is to be a giver. Let it be in your heart. Generous heart that abounds in liberality. Oh, their lack and needs has a, had a positive effect because of their attitude. We heard the testimony this morning. Yeah, there was a circumstance and it came about. But now what are you speaking Let's forge a future. Come on. Generous heart beyond their own ability. We saw that in verse 3 of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, for I bear witness that according to their ability, and he said, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing to do it. Courageous generosity comes with a promise, folks. I believe what God is trying to do this morning and what I'm trying to do as we set up the other three messages in this series, is to encourage you that it's okay to be generous. That nobody's going to get over on you. You're not a mat that people run over. Actually, you're an overcomer. When you, you have the power when you become a giver. Because now God knows he can bless you. Now God knows he can trust you. To give you an abundance, an overflow. It comes with the promise. The promise in Luke chapter 6 verse 38. How many know God is able to do it? He's able to do it. Luke 6 38 says give and it will be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. It will be put into your bosom for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God is a miracle working God.